Christian worldview is cohesive. Without contradiction, it provides the best answers for our moral intuitions, metaphysical laws, and our appetites for justice, purpose, reconciliation, and eternity. Christianity stands apart from the other world religions with its grace-based structure. It rightly diagnoses mankind's incapacity to uphold any moral standard, as well as showing us the loving picture of Christ as the great accomplisher. In other words, Christianity has the answers. And as Christians, we're commanded to bring these answers everywhere. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. With this, should Christian filmmakers be chiefly concerned with providing their audiences with answers about this life, or should they aim to leave them with questions, a breadcrumb trail to the bread of life? You're listening to God Deserves Better, a program dedicated to equipping the saints to create like our creator. Welcome back to God Deserves Better. I'm your host, Zach Laplace. And I'm Jonathan Laura. Nice to see you guys again. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Thank you, guys. So, Johnny, can you kind of recap for for our listeners on this second episode of GDB what the origin and ideas behind GDB are? Yeah, of course. Um, So, basically, Zach and I have 10 years combined experience working in Christian television. And in working these jobs, we've had many conversations about God deserves better than what we're making. Mm -hmm. So, this podcast is meant for Christian filmmakers Mm -hmm. and Christian filmmakers that want to glorify God more. Just like you and me. Just like you and I. Yeah, the people we've met in ministry, people we've met on gigs that we've done. Yes. We're going to try out different things. We're having these conversations. We want these to be dialogues that you guys can profit from. You know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. If we're saying something that is, you know, you feel like you don't want to incorporate, then don't. Um, But it is a place for you to be able to glean and, and, and winnow out what it is that you actually think is helpful. Exactly. Um, so something we talked about in the first episode were three pillars mm-hmm. of GDB. God deserves better. So first pillar for those who haven't listened to the first episode. Actually, it's kind of a good idea that maybe you should just go listen to the other episode. <laughs> and then come back here. <laughs> and yes. then come back and listen. Um, Don't tell them. Don't I, I, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give a quick recap because I, I see the benefit in it. It's still very early on in GDB and being able to recap the, what we're about, our our pillars is is important. So Pillar number one, equip the saints for cinema. So what does that mean? That means that cinema is kind of important. And when I say cinema, I don't just mean sitting down in a movie theater. I mean TV shows, YouTube content, narrative podcasts, you name it. Storytelling visually. Yes. And and that could even be a comic book for that matter. That said, equip the saints for cinema. So I think all those things come out of that. So if we're focusing on film, you should be able to apply across the board. So I think that we are out here to help our fellow saints be able to intelligently engage our culture and even create a culture of our own. Yeah. So second pillar is to tear down the sacred secular divide. So the fact is that there is no sacred secular divide. Secularism is a lie. Every worldview is trying to fight for itself, including the the neutral ground of yes. secularism. And it has its own ideas about the origin of the universe, about the purpose of mankind. And you find yourself in conversations on sets, on a, on a day job, whatever it might be, at home with family, at, on a Thanksgiving dinner, whatever. You see these worldviews clash. Oh, yeah. Um, and we summed this up in the previous episode with Jesus Christ owns cinema. Yeah. 
there is not a square inch of this universe, this is Abraham Kuyper, that Jesus Christ does not cry over it, mine. Mm. And that applies to cinema as well. Uh, so it should be brought into accordance and obedience with him and his word. Yeah. We're, again, we're talking to explicitly Christians. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, we'll just buckle up because we're assuming a lot about our audience and we really want to make our Christian filmmaking brothers and sisters sharper. Yes. So we're, we're not pulling any punches in this area. Mm-hmm. The third pillar is become better filmmakers. So our verse that we talked about last time was Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. The Lord cares about and honors good craftsmanship. Yes. And excellence. And we look at art created in the past by Christians in paintings, in architecture, books. in books, poems, yes. music, and we see a higher level. And that's a lot the of foundations of modern society today was built on the backs of Christians. Absolutely. And the idea is that becoming better filmmakers, we can have a better witness. Yeah. And all three of these things sum up God deserves better. Yes. So this makes better people, better craftsmen on sets, writers' rooms, wherever, editing bays, uh, and they're making better craft. They operate soberly in a world that is constantly pumping out confusion to, to be able to navigate uh, a, a craft that is often shrouded in subjectivity and opinion Yeah, as well. People always say, oh, things are more subjective than they are objective about an edit, about a design, whatever yeah. it might be. And I'll plant my feet and I'll say, I think it's a little bit more objective than subjective. Mm-hmm. And I actually have not gotten a lot of pushback when I put it that way. Yeah. And people, they, they want it to be, we're not talking about someone's favorite ice cream. You know, that's, that's subjective. That's preference. Yeah. But we're talking about according to human nature, this design, this website design, uh, or whatever it is that we're dealing with at the agency we work at, is it actually accomplishing according to human nature, what we want it to. Yeah. We want people to, to notice the the call to action button. So mm-hmm. we make that a brighter color. Objectively, one of the best logos at our, that our agency has designed is uh, based on the golden ratio. I look back at the files, the oh, yeah. files that it was made and it's following the uh, Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. The, the, the golden ratio is huge in filmmaking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Composition and all of that, all on the thirds and everything. Some call it God's fingerprint. That's awesome. Those are our three pillars. Again, equip yeah. the saints for cinema, tear down the sacred secular divide, and become better filmmakers. Those three things make up the DNA of GDB. Now, with, with that said, Zach, you and I have a very unique perspective of films. I yes. I've heard this same principle applied yeah. to other things, and that's what made me think about it in terms of mm-hmm. film. Yeah. But, so please explain to the listener. Yeah. So the, the, the novel idea that Johnny and I are bringing to the table because you hear a lot of conversation about Christian film. The novel idea that GDB espouses is the two-ditch theory. It's not even a theory. The fact. Yeah. The two-ditch fact. There might be more ditches out there. <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, I think we have two ditches. Ditch one would be Christian cringe. And ditch two would be Christian fartistry. You heard that right. Fartistry. <laughs> a term that Zach has coined. Uh, and and we'll we'll explain them as as we go. But yeah, explain what uh, what ditches are actually. So ditches are types of thinking dominated by wrongful assumptions about life or faith or communication. So they're a way of thinking about your craft that tends to leave yourself deficient 
Yeah. And this is us just humbly saying to the best of our ability, we're defining these things yes. for you. So you can see maybe where you're at, maybe where your friends are at. We know where we are at personally as well. And that's actually one of the key things to GDB is we realized Johnny's in one ditch and I'm in the other. Yeah. Or at least typically have been in the past. Yes. Our backgrounds for sure. So Johnny is cringe. I am very cringe. Johnny is very cringe. He, he is in the, the Christian cringe that's on the right yes. side of the road. Uh, and I, I want Johnny now to defend himself now. I want Johnny <laughs> to tell us a little bit about, yeah. about that. Like growing up, being totally cringe, loving cringe things, uh, and maybe define that term for sure. us as well. Cringe. The word cringe uh, in the dictionary is defined as having an inward feeling of acute embarrassment or awkwardness. But in the modern lexicon, it's basically known as embarrassingly bad. Mm -hmm. And so I think that reflects this end of the spectrum pretty well. And this is what people know of Christian media. Yes. This people is... from the outside looking, and even from the inside, growing up in this area, I knew these movies were not on par with cinematic masterpieces, you know. But just to give like some examples of what Christian cringe could be, uh, Kendrick Brothers, there's things like Facing the Giants, mm -hmm. the football movie they made. Um, God's Not Dead is another one. Oh, big uh, one. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. The Shack is another one. That one has many problems, apart from cinematic problems. Barely Christian cringe. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> but it is in that genre. I grew up watching these films, grew up on Veggie Tales. You know, that might count as Christian cringe as well, oh, yeah. maybe. They were on the cutting edge of the animation technology, so maybe not. As the timeline has gone on, they yeah, become more back then rich. In, the, in, the, in the 90s, when they were in their heyday, is when I was watching it. Basically... It's safe for kids to watch. So my parents, raising us in the world, wanted to protect us from the world. Mm -hmm. They wanted to raise us on what I'm coining as like a world-free diet, basically. And these films are perfect for it. Parents are basically picking out the unhealthy parts for the kids. Now, were They're, you not allowed to watch worldly movies? So we had a, a system. We would go to Hollywood Video. I would pick movies that I want to watch. Okay. And... That night, my parents would watch it while we went to sleep. And then the next day, if it got the approval, I could watch it. Mommy, can I watch Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> I want the one with the butterfly on it. <laughs> I remember I was not allowed to watch Osmosis Jones. Oh, because they watched it? and They watched it, yeah. Wow. What was their... I don't know. I never saw it, but <laughs> I was... You've still so never I... seen it? I have no desire to see it now, but you know. It's pretty good. Okay. I grew up watching Osmosis Jones every weekend. Well, look what happened to you. I know. My parents are divorced. <laughs> it's because of Osmosis Jones. <laughs> Osmosis Jones ruined my marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Irreconcilable differences. Wasn't oh. he like a disease or something? that like? No, he's, he's a white blood cell. Okay, white blood cells. Yeah, right. Chris Rock voices him, and he's inside of Bill Murray's body. Gotcha. That's a interesting it's a wild premise. Movie. It's a wild movie. That's a fun premise. I don't know is, what they didn't like about it. I guess I'd have it, to watch it. It's a little it. adult. I guess some of the themes are adult. It's just it's crude. Okay, that's fair. And a lot of that's kind of the stuff they would pick out is like the crude, maybe you know, mm -hmm. cuss word here or there. You know, that gets the axe. Oh yeah, uh, or uh, sexual reference, anything like that. You know, I wasn't allowed to watch it. I I wasn't allowed to watch Shrek for a while actually. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, I think Donkey says, so I, I forget what. But anyways, so uh, parents are basically doing the, they're chewing the food for me, mm -hmm. you know, so to speak. And that's good. That's actually not a bad thing. I want to, I want to clarify that. Yeah, I Thank agree. you, mom and dad, for doing that for me. Totally. But it has to end at a certain age. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably pretty exhausting. Yeah. As a parent. It probably is. As a, as a new parent myself, 
I'm just now starting to realize how much of that I'm going to have to do. And it's, oh, yeah. it's daunting. It's actually to that <laughs> point. I was literally talking to uh, my parents today about <laughs> the one show that we let my daughter watch, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And I just got done reading a book that happened to have a chapter in it that yeah. was dissecting in like a really heady way why that show is bad for kids, which a lot of kids programming is bad. But this is like getting into that it's it's in a non-world that doesn't help you become an embodied agent and you don't learn that you get, you live in a world that resists your will through that show because they have these magical tools and everything that you called for toodles and he comes and he brings the exact tool for the situation and yeah. you aren't better prepared for what real life will do to you uh, in terms of critical thinking and it operates more like virtual reality and kind of gives you an idea of where the mainstream pagan culture wants to take us oh, yeah. and kind of prime us for. This is a show, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, that's like very innocuous. There's not a bad word in it. It's colorful. It's Mickey Mouse. It's Mickey Mouse, yeah. Uh, but there are other things that are related to how a show is presented outside of even what I would think is explicitly moral. Mickey Mouse isn't saying a cuss word. He, you're not going to run into any of that, but it's teaching your children something about reality that isn't true. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, and I think that's the proper filter to have. Is mm -hmm. is this pertaining more to reality or reality as the way God designed it to be and to operate? Mm -hmm. Or is it uh, pertaining to a reality that the world is trying to make in rebellion against God? No, I 100% agree. Do you think Christian cringe as a ditch is born out of born out of an over-inflamed parental mindset? Perhaps. That they, I would say they just don't give it up. They just continue yeah. making, and so it's like into my 30s and 40s, I'm making safe content. Yes. It can be. I think there are some Christian films like The Shack that deal with a child getting murdered and, spoiler alert, sorry to say that, very deep subject matter, you know. I wouldn't show my kid that. No, but as an adult, though, as an adult Christian, because yeah. these films, God's Not Dead, primarily probably more towards college students, from yeah, what I understand about sure. a lot of that film. But even then, like a college student isn't going to have their faith rocked when they hear the word but yeah. or something, you know what I mean? Or, or H-E-C-K. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I'm trying to kind of diagnose the pathology behind yeah. Christian cringe. That What types of thinking? Yeah. I think, I think it does come from that. I think uh, one thing for me I could say is I grew up thinking the world operated that way, kind of back to pertaining to reality. You know, and God's not dead. The atheist is uh, hates his wife almost. You know, yeah. she has cancer, and he's just a despicable human being. And the that's like, not that's not real. We're we're all horrible human beings, but atheists Wait. are not like <laughs> atheists aren't the worst people in the world. I mean, I'm the chief of sinners. You know, you're an atheist, okay. <laughs> as Paul said. <laughs> yeah, as Paul said, I'm an atheist. <laughs> As Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. We are all sinners. Yeah, of course. Um, no, and and I sympathize for atheists. And there are, in air quotes, good atheists out there. There are atheists sure. who, by common grace, are good people. They're kind. They're charitable. Sure. Their motivations, their inclinations. They are for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, I'm motivated out of a love for God. Yeah. As I was saying, I now sympathize with atheists as opposed to back then. I'm like, I should get away from that because they're going to totally corrupt you. Yeah, exactly. They're just a evil disease that I need to avoid, basically. And I'm yeah. going to be corrupt by them because I can't chew the meat and spit out the bones for myself is what it came down to. Yeah. Um, so that, those are a lot of negatives 
sure. because of Christian cringe. Were there any yeah. positives growing up consuming a lot of this content that you feel like you can take away? I would say that being protected is good. I don't want my, as now as a father, I see that I don't want my child to watch Silence of the Lambs at yeah. seven years old or whatever. I think I probably saw it when I was nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm glad I didn't have to experience that and get my world rocked at that young of an age. And I, I think it preserved you and your ability to blush. Yeah, that's actually a good point. That you, people say things at work yeah. at an agency and it's a secular workplace and people will crack the, the bluest, crudest jokes, and Johnny will just go, okay. <laughs> it's my saying. Yeah, the, the okay. Just, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like a stop. Yeah. Like a stop. That's an, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's an, I've had enough. That's a, yeah. But that's actually a good thing to be able to blush because that's actually something that, spoiler alert, I'm in the other ditch. I struggle to blush. I went to public school in the worst way possible, you know, in, in that as a euphemism within the Christian community. So I know all the jokes and it's not a good thing to be able to lose your ability to blush because it says a lot about your conscience. My moral compass is fully working, you know? Yes. This, I would say, yes, that actually is a very good benefit of these movies. Totally. And again, first, first period of time. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're fine. I wouldn't consume these as high cinema or my main source of theological teaching yeah or anything past just a fun time with the kids and i was gonna say i need more movies to watch with my kids and this is fine it's totally fine and it could even be if they say something wrong theologically that could be a good uh conversation starter like hey the, this guy said this what do you think about that it's like the the proverbial question of would you rather be stuck on a bus with an atheist or a mormon or something <laughs> yeah that would i rather be stuck explaining to my children something about some transgendered thing in a film or some weird, odd kind of theological, yeah. charismatic angle or whatever it is that you might have an issue with. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. That's actually, I would probably still take the former. I feel like it's an easier conversation to have. Yeah, because we're, we've been trained, I guess, to, true. to have this conversation. It's just easier to be like, yeah, that the transgendered thing is wrong because of X, Y, Z, it's easier biblical to, explanation to knock that down. Whereas I guess this, I would say the same. It just depends on what it is. Yeah. Our filter should be, does this pertain to God's reality as opposed to, you know, oh, does this have a cuss word in it? Yeah. Other types of thinking, I would say that caused this type of cringe besides like the parenting aspect. I would say that the writers, you know, directors, producers, all of them are actually not masters of their craft, mm. plain and simple. Mm -hmm. They're using the wrong tool for the job that they want to complete. You and I have many friends who attended Liberty University, oh, yeah. graduated from there as film students, and they had to work on a film called The Trump Prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great movie, by the way. I haven't seen it. I don't want to I've see it. I've just seen like one scene from it that my friend lit with with yeah, like the tube lighting in the back seat or don't whatever. I'm trying to remember exactly okay. what he was showing me, but it was bad. Yeah, exactly. Some very rich person wants to make a film about their message, or even they might want to make it about the gospel. And that's, you know, that's not a bad thing, yeah. but they are not, they don't know how to actually do it. And yet they're steering the ship. Yeah. And so, um, I would say that is probably a big factor. Totally. I feel like it's the thing that's true in the studio system or in mainstream Hollywood as well, where you have the, the studio that's saying, Hey, we want to make this type of movie oh, yeah. and they fight with the, the director on things, but that can, I'm actually sure that produce. happens with Disney. 
Oh, well, on every single movie now at this point, you know, I'm sure that yeah. the agenda, yes, police are in there telling you what you have to have in there. She Hulk <laughs> has to twerk. Enhance. <laughs> no, no, make the CGI worse. I know that's a different type of cringe. That's yeah, pa- pagan cringe. It is pagan cringe, very much. It is there. That's where this, it's just the, a different message, but the same problem. Yeah, know? and that's where exactly that's where these ditch the ditch idea mm-hmm. maps perfectly onto any religious framework. Yes, because it's really just preachy. I think would be the the Christian cringe. It's one of its main defining characteristics yeah. is that it's preachy. The yeah. characters feel very flat. They don't trust the audience to interpret the message for themselves. Mm-hmm. They have to put it plain. They have a fear that you're not going to understand what this is about yes. if we pose this question. Specifically in the Christian realm, if I pose a question that the answer is God, mm-hmm. I'm afraid, oh, maybe they're going to think that the answer is drugs or, I don't know, what something it, yeah. something outrageously wrong. And then and actually, so, it's still the, the opening monologue, the idea of yeah. the answers versus question. Yes. That which actually creates better stories mm-hmm. by feeding your audience answers when feeding your audience questions and the Christian cringe ditch is defined by a huge desire to always leave the audience with very clear answers. Uh, and they use the wrong medium to get the message across. Yes. And I, I want to say that's not a bad thing to want your audience to get the gospel message and understand it. Mm-hmm. Of course. But that's for a sermon, you know? Yes. A sermon is where you state it plainly. Yes. As a film, it's not going to be effective if the audience can't come to that conclusion themselves that they don't work for it. Yes. It's just going to play for an echo chamber, which is another reason I think that this cringe uh, comes about is it plays to a Christian audience. Oh, um, yeah. It's just you're feeding me the gospel, which is good and fine. I need to hear that. Oh, yeah. But getting it through these like inhuman puppets uh-huh. on screen and then they're just mouthpieces for what I already know propositional truth wise. Yes. I know I read scripture. It says all men everywhere should repent and yes. acts. Okay, I know that. And then I'm watching this movie and they say the, the yeah. characters that really are just mouthpieces for things. And that's just yeah. preaching is that it's... Yeah, it is. It's most potent. It's yeah. it's like trying to preach the gospel with a cake. How would I do that? How would I actually do that? They would be the ones writing a message in frosting on the top of the cake. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's part of a cake. A birthday cake anyway. But... It's like you're getting the full gospel. <laughs> like you got to write it into the filling or something. No. Yeah, I don't know. Make yeah. your craft very good. Be a be an example of excellence. Yes. You know? Um, and the reality uh, of that's portrayed in your film will reflect Christ. You will stand. You won't stand before obscure men. Yeah. Actual prominent people will watch your stuff and say, "Why is this so good?" Yeah. And it's you have a better answer than they do. You do, and they have a muddled answer. Yeah. They have a muddled answer, but they're better at their craft currently. We're talking about pagan craftsmen. Yeah. Are, are better Specifically filmmaking. filmmakers, yeah. But actually, it's kind of a side note here. One little big thing for GVB is that this actually is where you we have formed as a culture the Christian genre. Like we've said in the previous episode, the Christian genre doesn't actually exist. That, that divide between sacred and secular doesn't exist. It's not real, that genre. Every film is technically a Christian film. It's just its depiction of the sacred is either glorifying or not glorifying to God, or it's in worship of some other God other than the triune God of the Bible. So that's where we see this form into an actual identifiable genre, which would be defined by preachiness, 
bad acting, more more answers driven, more direct for sure. Um, another thing I would say causes this is probably just like the low budget, you know, small uh, talent pool. I would say there's not a big network of elite Christian artists. Yeah, um, that one I can cut some more slack too. Um, yeah, God deserves better than Christian cringe. At the same time, it is useful. Okay, and I mean that's what we were saying before. Yeah, in terms of shielding. Uh, yeah, preserving. it's good, and this is kind of like a reason that people consume it. It's good for the the weaker brother, yes. the, the younger Christian, the Christian whose conscience is more sensitive, sensitive to things. Sure. And again, that's fine for a period, but you can't stay the weaker brother. You need to be reading your Bible more, mm-hmm. becoming a more mature Christian, and let your conscience be bound by Scripture. Yes, and not by maybe baggage that you brought in. Although yes. that's that's why Paul talks about that. Yeah, in Romans, but yeah, that you would hopefully be maturing over time and um, by looking at what is good and what is evil, being able to watch with a di- two different sets of lenses, one as a Christian uh, and one as a filmmaker and say, this succeeds because of this message is bad, but his way of using the camera here was actually very effective. Yeah. Something I'd like to say to the fellow Christian cringe people out there, the the Christian cringers, yeah. I don't know what they're called. Cringies. The cringies. Fellow cringies, you listen up. Uh, something I want to tell you. We need to consume higher quality films and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as your conscience permits, uh, that will expand as you become more mature. And I found, I found that those people, and you especially, you do like movies. You have, you have a wider palette than just the latest Kendrick Brothers movie. Yeah. You watch Scorsese movies. You, know, you watch whatever. Uh, and... We, Christopher Nolan, we talk about him all the time. That you, there are a lot of bones in the last movie. Oh yeah, often spit out. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Japanese bones. <laughs> I wanted to see the bomb dropping. Oh yeah, yeah. Another thing I'd like to say to the cringies: uh, the world does not operate the way that they do in those movies. Um, a lot of those movies have the perfect ending. The guy gets saved at the end, mm-hmm. and unfortunately. The world does not operate that way. So yeah, just Im- immerse yourself into reality a bit more. Yeah. Get to know some atheists, you know. Yeah. And if, t- learn how people speak. Learn how people actually communicate. Learn the actual objections that atheists might have and explore those things. I think the best films have themes where one character espouses a theme, but one side of a theme, yeah. say it's belief in God, and the other one espouses the opposite. And every scene, or every time you're with that one character or the other, the arguments are getting better and better and better and better. And then the film has to choose one at the end to win. I think that makes for the best form of drama. Jurassic Park oh, is, yeah. is a good example of, oh, yeah. you know, should we play God? Yeah. Um, progress versus... Is, is, it, is all progress, good. progress basically, yeah. are good? Yeah. That, and each character is actually... This gets into a little bit of the theme stuff, which is what I, I from... The, the the fartistry ditch over here. My looking into that the Christian cringies over here. W- my big diagnosis with Christian cringe is that they fumble the ball when it comes to theme. Oh yeah, themes operate better as questions in movies to be explored rather than answers to be given. And they want to give concrete answers for things. Yes, reality is a lot deeper than just getting a gospel message at the end. Yeah, and. And you can have that. You can have explicitly Christian things in movies and themes and questions asked. Mm-hmm. 
but you have to be fair about the other side. Especially if you want it to be effective to that other side, you do need to play fair to that side. Yeah. Well, then they feel represented. Yeah. But also you are showing how the Christian worldview actually triumphs over that. Yeah. And I think that's... It's a real... Yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. That's just pure preachiness. And if I'm not ready to have that message, like I go to church every Sunday, I'm ready to get a, a shotgun shell sermon to the face because I'm signing up for that. Yeah. And the Spirit's in me and I desire to hear the word preached and have my conscience... Another thing I would say to the cringies is to strengthen your faith. Read your word more. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, listen to better sermons. Go to a better church if you have to. You're talking expository preaching. Yes. Get some more expository preaching. You won't settle for the surface level morals and messages in these mm -hmm. films, you know, with that. And you'll be more into the nuanced themes in films. For sure. Yeah, and you if you understand better how we are actually saved. So the Ordus Salutis, you know, how God as the Holy Spirit actually regenerates me, allows me in my dead in my sins to be able to then look and desire him, renews my will, my dead will. Uh, salvifically, I'm unable to actually choose or desire God as the unregenerate man. But then as being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, I can now go after Christ and, and pursue him and actually desire him and understand what he's done for me in terms of justifying me with his blood and and now sending his spirit to help sanctify me into his image into ultimate glory once you understand that you'll understand how to better speak those things and how they play out in real life mm -hmm. it'd be so interesting to to watch a movie explicitly about a a practicing gay man become a christian yeah everything that he would have to do everything his life the chaos that his life would become until he finally is like shed of that. Yeah. And he might not be his whole life. He might still struggle with that his whole life. Mm -hmm. That would be really interesting. Do we do we get those stories from them? Maybe one day. Maybe one day. It's definitely a lot more prominent. It's more in our face at this day and age than it used to be back in like yeah. 2006. And but that would be a, a Christian film, Christian cringe, that would have a lot of cultural weight to it. It would actually have its finger on the pulse, which yeah. is another thing. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily always. There was one movie I actually did like, uh, for the most part, uh, Courageous by the Kendrick Brothers. Yeah. If you haven't seen oh, I've God's Not Dead, then I assume you I haven't seen, seen Courageous. I saw it at Goodwill the other day, and I almost bought it. Really? For this podcast, for this episode, <laughs> I was just like, maybe this will come in handy. Yeah. But then I was like, a dollar was too much. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, the film, it's about four cops, their quest to become better fathers. Mm-hmm. Which is a great thing. Yeah. Blue lives matter. Blue lives matter, dude. <laughs> I was born blue. No. <laughs> Fathers matter is actually what I, I want to say. Um, fatherhood matters big time. And yeah. that's an excellent thing. I get emotional now thinking about it because I'm now a father. And I saw it when I was like a teenager. And I, you know, Yeah, that's great. And that is great. Um, and that's that's a quote unquote safe theme. Yeah. That is interesting. It is more on the floor. I would say they, they mishandled it in a lot of ways. Uh, it's not nuanced at all. There's actually like a part where they have the characters sign like a resolution that they're going to become better fathers. And in the marketing of this movie, they actually like give you a PDF of like the resolution or whatever. Wow. Which is like very direct, very breaking the fourth wall. So that actually explains a lot of what my feeling and observation of people who watch this type of movie that it's primarily a feminine audience. 
that it's primarily a saved Christian woman, because we know plenty of families that are like this, but the husband doesn't lead. Yeah. And so he really isn't going to church, but at least as a, as his Christian wife, I can at least get him to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And maybe if it strikes a chord with him, he might actually sign that. And that's that gives that kind of altar call a little bit meaningful thing. Yeah, that it gives him that moment to look back on. It's like remember when we watched Courageous? Yeah. <laughs> and again, I felt like emotionally stirred thinking back to the film because, like, you know, it is a good thing. That, I just a, think yeah. they could have been way more effective in of their, course in their strategy. And that's it gets to and the, it's cast a wider net with their strategy. Oh yeah, the the, the schmaltzy yeah. hallmarkness of it. Of a lot of those films, yeah, I think is on purpose, or it's become on purpose as the genre has developed and the formal genre has developed, knowing it's church ladies, church women, wives who need to drag their husbands to church. Hmm. I say that's definitely like a large portion, but yeah, there there are Christian men who they don't think of it that deeply. A film just needs to pertain to my worldview, and that's all I need, you know. Well, and as a father protecting my family, showing them safe content, that's part of protecting them. Yeah. So I understand why it would appeal to a good Christian father as yeah. well. I just think a lot of just yeah. the good aesthetics. Christian father with bad taste, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so like I said, I feel like this film mismanaged their theme and how effective it could be. How should these films like aim to use theme? Yeah, that's a great question because that's my biggest gripe with these films is the theme now we're talking formal screenwriting term theme. And just to get us on the right track, there's a couple people that I want to quote. There's John Truby and John York. They're two authors in this space in terms of teaching filmmaking, teaching screenwriting specifically, and what each of them has to say about theme. And then we'll go from there because I think it'll shed light on a lot of how deficient Christian cringe is in this area. So John Truby uh, in his his book, The Anatomy of Story, sees theme as the moral and philosophical argument at the heart of the story. It's the central idea or message that the author or screenwriter wants to convey to the audience. So in a Christian cringe film, it's going to be fatherhood matters. Yeah, God, the father, has created fathers to represent him on earth. That's a big, heavy, weighty thing. Now, it's usually also stated as a question. This moral argument, whatever it might be about fathers or something often revolves around questions of human nature, ethics, and the human condition. So again, it's it comes in the form of a question. Now, we mentioned Jurassic Park is a good example of that most people have seen. It's a pretty safe movie. Christian audiences have seen it. Yeah. I get it has the kind of evolution angle yeah. and, and that stuff that a lot of people might have stayed away from it. But major themes in that movie are stated as, can we play God? Yeah. Can humankind play God without consequence? Is scientific progress always progress? And then every scene and every character reacts to those themes in different ways. So you have Alan Grant, uh, you have uh, Mr. Hammond, the owner of Jurassic Park, is pro-progress. That they come at this question of progress from different places. Uh, spare no expense, yeah. you know, at, at getting there. Uh, he doesn't care what it takes. We're going to stand on the shoulders of giants and you're selling it and you're selling it. <laughs> the perfect Jeff Goldblum scene. That's actually the best scene in the movie. And that's where the theme is being exchanged like a sword fight where you have these characters coming in with this, okay, this shot, this shot. Like they're, they're hitting each other with these heavy theme-based questions and assertions. And then you see throughout the movie how it plays out. 
to go to John York, the writer of Into the Woods, he says that theme is a writer's interpretation of life. So it has a point of view, that you're espousing a point of view about things. And obviously, as a Christian writer, you're going to try and, to the best of your ability, espouse God's point of view, how Scripture talks about whatever it might be. It could be abortion. It could be fatherhood. It could be motherhood. It could be any of these things. Uh, that as as anyone who's observed the judicial process will tell you, this is John York, the stronger both sides argue, the more riveting the trial. That goes back to what I was saying about the the Christian cringe and Iron Manning the atheist position a little bit here instead of just making them really flat, static characters is way more interesting than if they are, the again, the evil, easy to hate and, and write off as being bad. They would be typically called underwritten. Now, if a writer is going to make an argument about life, and they really should test it to destruction. So that's what that's what John York says. And that's what I was saying about the Iron Manning something. Like mm-hmm. you should actually try and take the strongest position against your assertion, whatever it might be, about fatherhood, and you represent that thematically. And if your main character can overcome that, that's transformative. I'm I'm watching an argument happen in real life. I'm yeah. you know, there's a, it's symbolically representing arguments. And if Christianity has the answers then we should be able to do that better than anyone else. We have better insight into human nature. We do. Yeah, and that's why to create, like our creator, is to create with insight that he has given us. And this isn't to come from any place of pride. It's revealed knowledge. It's special knowledge. It comes from scripture uh, that we see the heart is is wicked and deceptive. And again, we're trying to disperse that knowledge as well. We're not, you know, having a prideful heart. Oh, yeah. But if you can do that, if you can give your argument a a human shell over it. That's what a character is. Yeah. And they're moving through the movie and they take blows left and right. You think they're out of the game and then they come in at the last second and they clinch it uh, or whatever it is. They've learned what they need to, to overcome that, that foe, yeah. that antagonist, then that's going to make for a far more compelling, more convincing story. And I don't see that from Christian cringe. Yeah. You don't hear any of this technical knowledge coming from any explicitly Christian filmmaker other than maybe Mel Gibson, and even that. Jerry's out. Jerry's out on that. He does see some fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think The Passion of the Christ is pretty big fruit, but... Oh, you know, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're going to continue to put a pin in The Passion. We're going to have an episode of The yeah. Passion. That's a, whole, that's a whole big thing there. But that's my, that's my stump for theme. That's my big, as a, as a filmmaker, as a craftsman, looking yes. at Christian cringe. That's what I would tell them, Yeah, is master theme. Read Into the Woods by John York. Read Story by Robert McKee. Understand the structure of filmmaking because it gets into and to screenwriting and storytelling because it gets into how God has actually wired us to respond to stories. Uh, so we should use theme if you want to make Christian cringe or if you not even, I won't call it the pejorative. If you want to make explicitly Christian films, the Christian genre, think about theme. Yeah. Study theme. Again, read those books. Watch YouTube about theme. There's so many video essays. I sent you a few of them. Yeah, there's there's so much you can learn about the craft of filmmaking from that one thing. More that, so storytelling aspect, I would say. Yeah, it applies again. Yeah, you're right. Across the board. I mean, it applies to comic books and TV and, yeah. and video games even. That the theme isn't just... You know, the theme music. Yeah. It's actually the controlling idea of your film. Every scene is building an argument. And it just means that these creators don't make good arguments. Films need to reflect reality and also convince us of a message. Uh, Of course, they use theme and everything like we talked about. Mm -hmm. But 
deep down under all of that, to prove to me, the viewer, that your message works, it has to work in reality. Mm -hmm. And when these Christian cringe films have to bend reality, they have to make this atheist look like a horrible human being, a straw man oh, yeah. that's easy to knock down um, and you know not relatable at all, doesn't have any good points. And they have to make the Christian man look perfect, yeah. you know, zero flaws. He has all the answers. It's not convincing. No. And I think it shows a lack of faith in God's reality. Totally. They don't trust their own message. They don't trust their own faith to be able to actually work. Yeah. And so they're like, I have to movie magic it yeah. into working. I have to create a fake scenario. And don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, there's movies that like Star Wars or Guardians of the Galaxy that are not in reality in, in the sense that, you know, oh, yeah. is obvious. But the characters are real in their they're emotions. Human. Yeah, they're human. Don't Even though Groot is a tree or, you know, yeah. rocket, raccoon, whatever, but they're still relatable. They have yeah. human elements They're sapient, that are real. Sentient and sapient. They have human quality to yeah. them, intelligence and wisdom. And exactly. The soul. Yeah, I 100% I agree. I think that's a really good piece of advice to give someone who is making or wants to make Christian mm -hmm. cringe is that don't bend God's reality. Yeah, prove to me that your message works. Uh, and this is the one thing I will add to that is that God's comfortable with reality. Yeah. With atheists who appear moral, and we know that they aren't really moral in his eyes, and then not having Christians be perfect either. That's one side of the filmmaking road that you can fall off on when you're trying yes. to make good Christian art. So with that, Zach, what is the other ditch? The other ditch is Christian fartistry. So that is a term that I have uh, created. The term is obviously tongue in cheek, uh, and it is a reactionary movement. It is a movement that desires to see quality craft in filmmaking by Christians while watching the cringe mm -hmm. and saying, I'm going to do everything that they don't do. I'm going to make my films great. I'm going to lead with questions rather than answers. So they're leaning into something that's actually more suited to the format, more suited to the medium. You're coming out of the Christian cringe ditch and you go right into Christian fartistry. So it is an overcorrection. Yeah, their and goal is more to make your grandma squirm in her chair or whatever, you know, like, yes. So would you be able to give us like an example? Yeah. So just, just like you have a background in cringe uh -huh. I have a background in fartistry. So as a Christian who's wanted to make films for a long time, I saw Christian cringe movies like facing the giants when I was young and I loved movies too. I grew up loving movies. I grew up in a home that did not, this is the opposite of you. I grew up in a home yeah. that was not filtered. Yeah. That I watched American Psycho. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I, I don't think I liked American it's Psycho. Just for the back kids. Then. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we grew up watching rated R movies before we were ten. My okay. siblings and I. And yeah, I I don't know why. Uh, there was a there was a small controversy in my family when we saw Children of the Corn, uh, Stephen King story turned into a movie. Yeah. Uh, that's extremely violent. Has a lot of religious overtones and motifs and stuff and so kids being crucified on on oh. crosses and, and cornfields and whatnot and uh very very disturbing stuff and my mom was rightly disturbed by that and and angry about that but um we just grew up watching anything and everything and so it's really god's grace in my life that i i have developed over time the ability to say those movies are are bad that my conscience has been bound by scripture and by the spirit to see the value in restraint yeah 
And glory to God for that. Yes. So Christian fartistry, again, it's going to be harder to grasp than Christian cringe. Everybody has that idea of Christian cringe because it's the most popular representation of Christian film. The only real example I have for Christian fartistry is my own short film, Nightbird, that I made in 2017, which was my directorial debut. So what was that short film, Nightbird, about? Nightbird was about being a father. That was the main theme. I wasn't a father yet, but I had, I was really getting into the Christian theology and understanding of the family. And I wanted to make a Christian horror film because I felt like those two things were so contradictory that maybe I could bring them together under one roof. Super lofty. Again, there's this, there's this pride <laughs> that fartistry is dominated by, and that's yeah. the snootiness. That's the fartistry. I'm just sniffing my own farts over here, people. <laughs> that... Christian artistry. It's this idea of Christian as the artist. So I'm trying to be an artist here. I'm being taken seriously because of my craft. Yeah, I would say like being taken seriously as an artist is a byproduct of our goal here. It, it isn't the goal. Our goal is to glorify Christ. Exactly. You know, and we will be taken seriously as artists when we when we do that. Exactly. And so what I observe for, from the, the Christian artistry side of the, the road here, the creative road, is that I find a lot of first-time filmmakers wanting to make serious, moody films, intellectual films, because they think that that will make them be taken seriously. That's what I wanted. And Nightbird was a venture into that idea that I could be taken seriously if I go after something that, oh, it's a genre piece that is about something really serious. It's this elevated horror about a man who's cheating on his wife and they have a infant daughter, him and his wife, and his mistress, he's trying to break it off with his mistress. He finally does in like kind of a climactic fight. And while he's doing that, the mistress shares with him that she had uh, a baby very young out of wedlock and it died of SIDS. So again, we're dealing with like really heavy stuff. Uh, and she, the only way she could grapple with this baby being taken from her was that this nightbird came. Then her mom told her that this nightbird, this kind of anti-stork came to take the baby away. And the husband goes home that night, lies down next to his wife, thinking he's put it all to bed. The mistress is behind him. He'll be a good family man. There's a crash that wakes up the wife. And it's suddenly her story now. And she goes downstairs and is petrified to see a physical representation of the nightbird above the baby's crib. And, and it cuts to black. And it does. I mean, yeah. that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's a short film. So dealing with that. Which Again, that sounds very interesting. Where did it go wrong? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, there's a lot of cussing in the movie. And that's something that I have grown to distance myself from. I see it as being a tool in the toolbox, but not just a, I got to depict reality. People just cuss all the time. And it's a, it's a stumbling block that didn't need to be there. And so critically thinking about it that way, as well as I think the film just, I could have done the, the themes better explaining it to you it probably sounds better than the film actually it's it's like 15 minutes long <laughs> okay and the change of perspective from the husband to the wife and now seeing that her home has been invaded by this force that the husband he doesn't wake up when the, she hears the crash downstairs he's abdicated he's that's the thing that a husband should do is go downstairs when yeah. there's a crash and protect his family and he doesn't he's dead asleep that's a moment i wish i could go back and depict even better but it has more to do with my mindset about the movie, my hopes for the movie, rather than yeah. the movie itself. And I think that's kind of, like you said, Christian fartistry is hard to see on the surface. Mm -hmm. It has to do a lot with the creator and the behind the scenes. Yes. 
I can look back on myself and be critical, which I think is something common for any anybody. But it's the I, the mindset of Christian as artist yeah. that my whole goal in my life. And I just remember that time period in, in my creative career, thinking I needed to be taken seriously. Why did you need to be taken seriously? Because I knew I was nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, because I knew I. This is my first uh, my directorial debut, so. And I was asking for a lot of favors and, and whatnot. But I wanted to tell a story that was serious. I wanted to make a contribution. I feel like that's a very young man kind of thing to desire. All these older people have done it wrong. I I can do it right, you know. Oh, yeah, that's the pride of it. Yeah. For sure. And again, that's where the term fartistry comes from. Yeah. It's just this hoity-toity yeah. looking down my nose <laughs> at people. Uh, but yeah, and I think a lot of that also comes from being okay with, as a, as a consumer, films that are edgy the forestry mindset is fed by the fact that i'm i'm all up on christopher nolan films oh it's heady it's intellectual i'm a film buff so i know all these other filmmakers david yeah. fincher and whatnot when a lot of their films are satanic even oh yeah but the the artistry is great and i want to be taken seriously like them i think christopher nolan does get wrapped up in his concepts and i think that is kind of fartist like I'm losing the theme and the message almost when I'm just trying to wrap my head around going through dimensions like an interstellar or like Inception. I think Inception was done masterfully. You know, I, I would, oh, I would say that was the concept didn't steal the show from the theme. No, perfectly balanced. Yeah. And, but, and same with Dark Knight. But since then, I would say it's kind of got oh, off the rails. Tenet. Yeah. Oh, definitely Tenet. It's definitely just Tenet. Yeah. Oppenheimer even. Like has that just love affair with his own ideas. Yeah. And all the characters, not all of them, but some of them really just become robots. Yeah. Like they don't exhibit human emotion really. That's yeah. that's a big Christopher Nolan's become a caricature of himself. Like yeah. the whole out of sequence editing is like distracting now. Well, that's because it's I think it's driven by ego. Yeah. I mean, like, it did not have to happen in Dunkirk. Like <laughs> showing things out of order. No. Like, what is going on here? Now it's I'm just confused. confused. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely confusing. And that is so true. That maps perfectly on fartistry. Yeah. That it became the same. It's almost like M. Night Shyamalan is the exact same story. It just didn't work out as well. That M. Night Shyamalan, ooh, Sixth Sense. Plot twist. Plot twist here. Oh, you never saw it coming. M. Night Shyamalan became known as like, oh, well, then you blew our minds, dude. And mm -hmm. he could not live up to that. But he just missed missteps. Mm -hmm. Like the ego, I have to over... I can't just make a solid movie. I have to outdo myself. I've I've seen it a lot with uh, music in the music industry, Christian hip hop. I've noticed uh, I used to be a big fan and am not anymore. It has kind of changed the uh, the stigma with Christian hip hop. It was Christian cringe. Yeah, from like early 2000s into the like mid 2010s, I would say. And then you notice people like Lecrae and... Uh, reach records all the big name people mm. start twisting their message a little bit um at the same time their music is sounding better it's sounding more like the world you know they're getting yeah. into like trap music the instrumentation is better it sounds more clean more professional but also their message sounds more like the world i've yeah. noticed and that has kind of repelled me yeah but that tracks it's, that all tracks uh, yeah they're that, trying to be like the world i want to be liked i, I have a deep desire to be and this is me personally, but I think it applies to people who find themselves in the fartistry ditches. I really want to be liked by people who are better than me at this. Mm -hmm. And those people are typically pagan. Yeah. So you're going to be pulled in that direction. Oh, yeah. And you, you're more willing to make 
concessions. And that's why I don't think there's a, a big fartistry film we can point to really. Yeah. Because they just roll right into the world. Exactly. And that's what you're saying about the, the Christian rap artist that on a long yeah. enough timeline, you just become like the world anyway. Exactly. If you start off with a good intention of like, you want to be better at your craft, mm-hmm. um, but for the wrong reasons, it yeah. will lead you to eventually becoming just like the world. Absolutely. Um, there's big mega church thinking behind it, which is like, we got to just put on the spectacle and water down the message to get more butts and seats. So yeah. that way they'll, we'll get more people to hear the word of God. Exactly. But if you're just, again, the message is watered down. That's all anyone's getting fed is baby food. Yeah. Um, and to use Paul's metaphor, you, you move from milk to meat. Yeah. But the Christian fartist, knowing what I'm telling you here, what would you tell them they should do behavior-wise? I would tell them to look deep down as to why are you doing this? Look at your intentions. Pray about it. You should want to be taken seriously by God yeah. above all else. You're going to stand before him in judgment. Yeah. And he's not going to care about how You have to answer for your films. Yeah. Your work. I would say go work a job that you hate. Go chop logs all day. Go make pizzas for Domino's. Gain some EXP. Yeah. Yeah. Gain gain some some experience points here. Yeah about life because you will be able to speak more richly to the human experience that way. And chiefly among all those things is read your Bible and pray yeah. and sit under really good preaching and men who care for your souls, because that's ultimately what's actually going to transform you and therefore equip you to be able to tell those types of stories that you want to tell the serious Christian stories. Christianity, like we've said, has the answers. They're hard answers though. The truth is hard, and it's not easy for people to come to it just based on getting a straight answer like Christian Cringe provides. It's also you can't water things down into just questions, 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 and ooh, maybe my faith. Ooh, I'm doubting my faith. Ooh. (laughs) That you can tell a really rich and deep story about being a dad if you are a dad or a broken family if you come from one. You're writing relatable characters and... You need to know what is relatable to other humans by mm-hmm. having that experience. You know, working from the lowest tier, like you said, working at Domino's or whatever. Filmmaking is not going to save the world. What will save the world is being a good dad, wiping my baby's butt, and feeding her, and playing with her, and praying with her. Those things will save the world. Those mm-hmm. things are far more important. That is humbling. Yeah, It's humbling to take care of a human life that way. And to, even before I had kids, like take care of my wife yeah, and care for her and lead her. That's way more important than sitting down and writing the best Christian film of all time. And, and this is the real stump speech here is that the world of Christian film needs you because you do care about the craft. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good urge to want to make something. You're watching Christian Cringe and it's giving you a visceral reaction. You've just overcorrected. Mm-hmm. And then feed yourself a steady diet of the the simple things in life. Because that's actually what God cares way more about is your simple daily walk. After having kids, immediately you start living minute by minute. You start living hour by hour. You start living day by day and then eventually week by week, which is way faster than you've ever lived as a single man. You start appreciating You start taking in how ungrateful you've actually been for life. And 
what ends up happening is you you do become more grateful for the small things and out of gratitude you will make great art for god a little bit of a cheat code here for someone who's caught in the fartistry mindset here make a documentary okay you want to make something moody and serious authentic that is the way to go maybe you are just a documentary filmmaker pretending to be a narrative or, or fiction filmmaker because i can say i'm making a documentary right now and we'll get into that in later podcasts but it's a very long process of it yeah. for like two years it's taking years off of my life but it's worth it and you get into the nitty gritty and you have to really figure out what you actually believe about life the story is there in your having to pull it out of there you're not just making something up it's the perfect marriage of reality and your point of view what part of the story are you going to tell yes what do you focus on and i've had to wrestle with that with this footage of my documentary where it's like not until i get that other interview am i really going to know to hear what this person says to like see a through line yeah i know generally what i'm going for obviously i ask these questions do research and whatnot and but figuring out it really helps you mature as a christian filmmaker because again, a documentary is your point of view. They're just essays. They're just essays about a life event. What I did was I looked in my own backyard. I was like, I, got, well, I want to find a story that only I can tell. Something that happened near me. And yeah, that's a whole other episode. I feel like we should probably talk about that at some point. But yeah, uh, fartists out there listening, make a documentary. Set aside your Ryan Gosling drive to or whatever you want to make <laughs> and go make a documentary about something that actually was thrilling that happened near you. I guarantee you there's an interesting story right in your backyard that no one else can tell. You are perfectly equipped. You want to feel God's providence in your life? You see the pieces at play where you're like, oh, God was building me up to be able to be competent to tell this story. You want to blow people's minds. You go talk to people and say, hey, I think I'm supposed to tell your story. Or maybe you yourself have a story that you could tell. And documentaries are popping off right now. There are so many really good documentaries. Netflix is just churning them out. I love the Untold series. Oh, man. Malice at the Palace? Yeah, it's a good one. It's so good. I think it's like popcorn kind of documentary. You know, the sports documentaries, they don't... I've heard like so many people who aren't into sports tell me like unprompted, like bring Same. that up. And I'm like, dude, yes. Same. I'm someone who's like really into sports, so I've, you know, I already knew about all of that. Oh, Laura. The Matateo one. Have you seen that one? Mantiteo? Yeah. No, I didn't, but it's really good. Yeah. It's one of I those... know about his story, but. Oh, yeah. I thought I knew, and I didn't. And it goes deep, but it's very, it's very relevant. Mm -hmm. The story is very relevant and just sad. Nobody wins. Yeah. There's no winners in that story, and that's tragic. If you want to tell tragedies, which is what I think Christian fartists generally tend toward is tragedy versus comedy telling stories about the depravity of man yeah that's where you want to go those are people gobble that up man. yeah they do crime true crime yeah my documentary is a true crime documentary and it is explicitly christian that's and i didn't set out to do that that was just something that god gifted to me revealing this through research and interviews and whatnot where it's like oh wow that theme is right there and this person is a christian and, you know, spoiler alert, my, I'm interviewing a, a Christian, uh, and her story is amazing. And I, I, I couldn't make a better fictional version of that. I'm not 
And that's probably more palatable to your atheist friends or your worldly friends. Oh, yeah. That I'm just pointing the camera at this person. She's really, it's authentically her faith. I can't argue with that. It happened. It happened. That's how, that's this person. Yeah. And this person's beliefs about the world and about Jesus Christ affect them yeah. and what they do in their life. And it's critical to this story and this person's life. It, I, yeah, I cannot recommend that enough, making a documentary. Now, to recap uh, both ditches, I would actually say there probably isn't too much dissimilar with either ditch. Oh, yeah? Um, I think it's really comes down to, like, who are you trying to please more oh, than God? It's just how it manifests itself. Yeah. Um, I'm really trying to cater to the weaker brother Christian, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to cater to the world. Yeah. And there are no films for the strong brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the strong it's brother. A smaller, it's a smaller group. It's a smaller group, that's for sure. But it also, they just consume worldly movies. They have the liberty to do that. Yeah. They can spit out the bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eat meat, sacrifice to idols. Man, that was a good chicken <laughs> leg. So that kind of wraps up our discussion of Christian cringe and Christian fartistry as the ditches most common to serious Christian filmmakers, the places that they find themselves. It's our unique take on the on the on the subject. So let's get out there and work heartily for our good and gracious God, the Redeemer of men. Amen. Thank you for listening to God Deserves Better, a production of Pemmican Studios.